Coming up on the Children's Hour, we've got two clinical psychologists on this show to have a conversation with our kids crew about racism. Dr. Rebecca and Dr. Danielle visit with the kids about a topic that comes up in their own practices quite a bit. What is racism and how best to combat it for kids? Then we hear from the acclaimed storyteller Len Cabral with a story about how to say something. And we've mixed this show with some poetry and excellent music. We're so glad you're with us. The Children's Hour is Kids Public Radio, produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Find out more about us and see pictures and links related to this show at childrenshour.org. It's time for the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. What did the left eye say to the right eye? I don't know what. Between us, something smells. <laughs> it's time for the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. I woke up this morning with my mind. It was dead on street. Oh, well, I woke up this morning with my mind. My mind, it was dead on street. Walking and talking with my mind. It was dead on street. Oh, well, I'm walking and talking with my mind. My mind, it was dead on freedom. Walking and talking with my mind. It was dead on freedom. Hallelujah. I'm preaching and teaching with my mind. It was dead on street. Oh, well, I'm preaching and teaching with my mind. My mind, it was dead on freedom. Preaching and teaching with my mind. It was dead on freedom. Hallelujah. I'm singing and shouting with my mind. It was dead on freedom. Oh, well, I'm singing and shouting with my mind. My mind, it was dead on freedom. Singing and shouting with my mind. It was dead on freedom. Hallelujah. 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 Mind on freedom, talk, talk, you got to talk, talk. 
talk, you got to talk, talk, you got to talk, talk. Well now, talk, 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 because it ain't no harm to keep your mind. Stay straight on. Oh well, it ain't no harm to keep your mind, your mind, keep it set on free. From a Bill Harley CD, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. That's I Woke Up This Morning with My Mind on Freedom, and I know I did. You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. I'm delighted to be with everyone out in listener land and all these great kids on Zoom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Who's with us today? Hi, it's Maya. Hello, it's Zen. Hello, it's Amadeus. Hi, it's Isaac. Hello, it's Octavia. Hi, it's Lucas. Hi, it's Evan. Happy day, it's Maya. Hi, it's Daniel. Thank you so much for being with us, everyone. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about a topic that can make people feel um kind of uncomfortable. We're going to be talking about racism. We do hear about racism in the news, all of us on the radio, on TV. But I wonder, Kids Crew, how would you define racism? It's where somebody is judging you by the color of your skin and... And it's a lie. They, they're lying to you. And people just believe that lie. I think that racism is kind of a bias to a certain race or a certain type of people, which is not very good. You know, we all need to be uh, working together and, you know, accept each other as we are, you know, and not necessarily be biased to one person, race, or something along those lines. But, you know, yeah. All of those seem really plausible, and we're going to talk more about racism and being anti-racist and how to defeat racism in our culture, the scourge that really holds us all back as a community. Dr. Rebecca Ezuchukwu is a clinical psychologist in the Division of Community Behavioral Health, and she's also an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of New Mexico's Health Sciences Center. And Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price is a practicing private mental health practitioner and care provider, and she's also a member of the Black Mental Health Coalition here in New Mexico. They're going to help us understand racism. Also today on the show, we're going to hear an oldie but goodie, a story by the captivating storyteller Len Cabral about the best way to say something. Plus, we have some poetry for you and amazing music, including this one, which is a single release, a collaboration with Fuchs, Rissy Palmer, and Snook Nook. You're listening to a remix of an encore edition of the Children's Hour. about to take a trip and travel through time and learn about some ladies that changed all of our lives
Kramer. First name Fannie Lou, civil rights leader. Helps register our people to vote during Jim Crow laws in the 60s. Back when blacks couldn't vote in this country. She paved the way for future politicians, along with the first black congresswoman, Shirley Chisholm. Kamala Harris made history as the first ever woman elected VP. So many suffragists did vote for this, like Nashville's own J. Frankie Pitts. Helped register thousands of voters in Tennessee and made a school for black girls in the 1920s. Could not have done it without the pioneers The women fighting voter suppression for years Like Miss Stacey Abrams and Felicia Davis said so many women to name That's why this is for the black, black women in Palmer and Snook Nook, Black Women in History. This is the Children's Hour. With us today is Dr. Rebecca Ezechukwu. She is a clinical psychologist in the Division of Community Behavioral Health and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. Also with us is Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price. She is a clinical psychologist working in private practice with Riddle-Price Associates. They provide mental health services to youth and their families. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. You heard the kids try to define what racism is. Can you, can you tell us what, what do you think of their definitions? How did they do? And, and how would you define racism? Well, I think the kids have a great start. Um, and I heard some good uh, comments about, you know, biases towards certain races, treating people differently because of the color of their skin. Um, and I, I really think that we're, uh, we're getting close to what racism is, because I think it is one of those topics that sometimes can be really confusing and hard to understand. Um, and Dr. Danielle and I were talking before this, and I thought that she had a really great way of simplifying this for kids maybe who are just now learning about what racism is or trying to, to understand it a little bit better. So Danielle, let me kick it to you. Great definitions, very good definitions. And it's um, we, and I'm working with clients who are some of your ages, actually. And I work with them and I teach them about unfair. Who in the room has something that happened to them that was unfair? 
that you think was not fair to you? Can everyone say they've had something happen that they thought was unfair? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yes. So I see somebody has a brother and sister. So is there ever some unfairness that you see between brothers and sisters? Yeah. And sometimes we feel like they get treated unfairly, like they get two scoops of ice cream instead of one, or they get to get a new bike, or they get new tennis shoes and you don't. So if you think about it in terms of what's fair and unfair, we understand that. We understand that it's not fair for you to get to go outside and play for an hour and I can't go outside at all. So if you look at it in the terms of if it's unfair to treat someone a certain way because of the color of their skin, it's unfair for them to be hurt or to be scared or to be fearful or to not have the same breaks in life just because they happen to be a different shade, right? So that's how you look at it when you look at being fair and unfair. And that just makes it really simple. If you can be kind to everyone, no matter what they look like, that's a huge step, right? And getting rid of that bias. I think I love what Maya said. It's like they're lying to you about what they see when they see that person. Um, and I think it's very helpful for us to keep in mind that we just want to be fair. We want to be treated fair. How would you want to be treated? Kids don't start off being racist, do they? No. Um, if you think about it, uh, the simplest way is preschool, you know, or little kids playing at the park when they're toddlers. They don't care what color the other kid they're playing with is. They just want to play because that's their friend, right? Um, it's more of a small cues that are provided from their parents or people around them because we are their filters. Parents are your filters to the world. So how they react to people around you is how you learn to react um, and how you view things and things that we say without even realizing it. Um, there are some things that we say and don't do. And sometimes it's not you're teaching your kid to be racist, but you're not teaching them to not be racist. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, we definitely want to cover that on the Children's Hour, not only how to understand what racism is, but also how to be anti-racist. Have any of you learned about racism in school? Uh, Partly. Yeah. Not really. I'm so, yeah. Really like history, like history, history yeah. like taking like the people of different color as slaves and so, yeah, we've learned about it in history, but not like modern racism. Once I became a homeschool, then I started to uh, learn about it a little bit more. But apart from that, no. In school, no, but homeschooled, yes. Why aren't we learning about racism in school and what could schools be doing? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, and I, I'm amazed, yeah, but also not completely surprised to see all of the kids kind of shaking their heads about um, not learning so much about racism. You know, I will say at this point, I think children are never too young to talk about race and it's never too late to start. And so for the parents who are listening, um, I would encourage you to, you know, for young kids, you know, preschool and younger, some of what you're doing um, to start to help kids develop uh, their anti-racist uh, qualities and just being anti-racist is helping them to make sense of what they're seeing in the world. So much of what we learn about race um, is first coming through sight and that's how kids are learning. And so, you know, helping kids to just notice what they're seeing in the world, describing uh, physical differences associated with race, you know, like skin tone, voices, um, because the research actually shows us that kids um, as young as toddlers and even younger than that are already aware of and thinking about differences uh, that have to do with race at such a young age. So I think, you know, as far as how we teach kids and how we learn, 
um, it's not just learning about racism, it's learning how to recognize and understand the privilege that being white, you know, being a white person has had a lot of privilege over history. And sometimes the ways that we see that privilege, um, we may not even realize. So if you think about it, the books that you read may have characters that are all uh, white and skin tone. And so one way that we can start to even just introduce um, this understanding that there are multiple and varied uh, individuals and, and races is just introducing folks to those materials at a very early age. Um, looking around you when you go to the store, what kinds of uh, advertising are you seeing? Who is who is labeled? Who are the labels um, depicting? You know, there's a, a lot of of whiteness in our, our products and in what we consume. And if we don't recognize that, then in some ways that's that's one way that bias can continue to play out. So someone was talking about how do we um, address our bias? Well, we just start to notice uh, what's around us a little bit more clearly. So when you're in the store or when you're in your classroom, even looking through your history books, what are the images that you're seeing? You know, that can tell you a lot about what has already existed before you. Um, I am watching Little House on the Prairie it has racism in it because uh, um, the mom, she she never wants to see a black person, um, a Native American. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you know how does she, can you tell how she's feeling when she says that she never wants to see a Native American? She's feeling upset. She's feeling upset. And I would bet she's probably also feeling scared. So one of the things that we know contributes to racism is when we feel scared, scared of people because of their race. And for many of us, we may not realize that we're feeling scared, but oftentimes if we pay attention to the way that our bodies feel, you know, when we're having, when we're witnessing racism or we're witnessing um, really stressful experiences like protests, our bodies can tell us a lot about what we might be feeling. And so noticing, you know, is our heart beating fast uh, when we're trying to have these conversations? Or um, are we feeling like it's very hard to talk when we notice somebody else experiencing racism? Or are we having trouble asking our parents questions? Sometimes that's a way that, that might contribute to um, not talking about these very important topics. Um, it's really interesting. I think a lot of kids actually have a lot of questions about race that they don't feel comfortable asking their parents. And so, again, if I would, were to give advice to the parents out there, uh, it would be to, you know, ask your kids what they're seeing, you know, and sometimes just leading with open-ended questions. So what did you see today on the news? Or what did you see outside? And how are you feeling? What questions might you have? And I think parents sometimes get really worried about having all the right answers for these conversations. And sometimes if you're just creating a space for kids to express what they're seeing, um, that can actually open the conversation up quite a bit. And you may find as a parent, you actually do have the ability to navigate these conversations. We're speaking with Dr. Rebecca Ezechukwu. She is a clinical psychologist at the Division of Community Behavioral Health and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. And we're talking with Dr. Danielle. Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price is a licensed mental health provider and also a member of the Black Mental Health Coalition. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. 
The Children's Hour is an independent production of The Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Support for The Children's Hour provided by Electric Playhouse, an immersive entertainment and events center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Playhouse is open. You can purchase tickets, learn about events, play, and other opportunities, including future locations and music shows, at electricplayhouse.com. Support for the Children's Hour provided by Lori Berkner, hosting two live-streamed interactive virtual Valentine's Day family party concerts on Sunday, February 13th at noon and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. One ticket for both shows. Tickets at live.loriberkner.com. What is the future about? Uh, making it so everybody feels like they belong here. Fresh? But first, this guy, it has to be our world because they had their chance to have it. They had their chance many years ago. Now it's our time. Big woke means waking up, getting to work, and making it happen. Not resting for this racist stuff. I think woke means wake up from stuff like, let's see, like, instead of doing something the same thing, try to challenge yourself to do something else or like to believe something or give it a chance.
from a compilation CD called Hold Tight, Shine Bright. That was Saul Paul, Hands in the Sky. And before that, you heard from the Alphabet Rockers, Woke, from their CD, Rise, Shine, Woke. You're listening to an encore edition of the Children's Hour that we recorded in the summer of 2020. Some of the things you're going to hear about happened back then, but they really haven't stopped. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and we're talking about racism. We're speaking with Dr. Rebecca Ezechukwu. She is a clinical psychologist at the Division of Community Behavioral Health and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. And we're talking with Dr. Danielle. Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price is a licensed mental health provider and also a member of the Black Mental Health Coalition. We have to talk about what's happening now on the ground in our country. And I want to ask the kids crew, have you been following the news? Does anyone want to sort of take a stab at what what are you seeing in the news? Okay, so I believe that after the murder of a black man, um, George Floyd, when a police officer knelt on his neck for about eight minutes suffocating him, there were many protests of police brutality and racism that police are going into using tear gas, rubber bullets, all these horrible things. And these are peaceful protesters, yet the police are still using mace and all this horrible stuff. And um, I believe the protest is in 400, 500 major cities now. I want to ask our doctors who are with us, our psychologist, Dr. Ezechukwu and Dr. Danielle, can we talk a little bit about what's happening right now? And, uh, you know, clearly kids see it from all different kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Dr. Daniel and I have, have clinical practice. And so we have been having these conversations with the kids in our clinical practice. And um, depending on how old kids are, their ways of making sense of this information is going to be very different. Even, you know, the difference between what you're seeing and what you're hearing and, you know, equating that with truth. And so Lucas was the person who mentioned that most of these protests are peaceful. And that's right. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that, you know, the ability to protest is a constitutional liberty. It's a right. And the fact that people are out there using their voices to protest uh, racism and police brutality and injustice is a right that they have. And so I think recognizing that the majority of people who are out there are doing this for the for purposes of making this country better, for using their voices, for, for demonstrating that what we've been experiencing as a country is not okay. And we don't wanna to continue to say that it's okay. Because there is violence also happening within these peaceful protests, that makes everything uh, much more confusing and I think a lot scarier when you're a kid. And so what I would encourage, you know, the kids that are seeing some of of what's happening in our community or watching it on the news uh, is asking your parents questions about what you're seeing. And I think this is also where a conversation about um, healthy media intake comes into play and ensuring that parents are uh, watching media with their kids. So if there are things that you are both watching together, at least parents can help correct any misconceptions, or at the very least, be a supportive presence for a child to just express what they're seeing. It's really important for us to 
to ask kids what they're seeing and what questions they have, rather than assuming that we know how they're making sense of all this information, because there is a, a lot of content, too, that we, they may just hear passing through a room. I think all of us have the right to feel very angry, but sometimes kids can feel like when they see grownups being angry, that alone is scary. Anger is a natural human feeling. Everyone gets angry. It's how we handle it and what we do with it, how we channel it. Don't just be angry and hit something or sit and be mad about it. What are you going to do? What can you do? How can you help those around you? And a big question that's come up is a lot of my, my clients have asked me, what can they do to help their Black friends? Um, and some of the Black kids have asked as well, how do we, all my friends are white, what do I do? You know, I, I don't want to feel bad against them. They're still my friends. So helping them understand just to have the conversation, just saying I support you as my friend is all you have to do. You know, for the kids who have um, friends who are African-American, being there, not shunning the conversation away if it comes up and just saying I support you. Um, they've gotten a lot of phone calls from friends or they've called their friends saying, I support you and I'm sorry this is happening to people that you may know or people that look like you. So for all the parents, um, limit the amount of exposure that you're giving from COVID-19 to the racist acts, racism acts that are happening, making sure that you're running that, that boat with your kids uh, and that you're that voice that tells them how to handle their anger and what to do. So what can we do to be anti-racist? I think first being aware that people are different than you, being aware that just because you're not afraid to be on your bike driving down the street or if you get pulled over, you're not afraid that the police are going to harm you um, or that someone's going to do something to you. Being aware that if you have a black friend, that they do have that fear, um, that they may have that fear. So just being understanding of that. I think learning to understand other races so doing some reading on your own you have your phones and your computers and your tablets so you can research a lot of things that are age appropriate for you and if you need help you can always go to your parents um, go to a teacher one of the kids decided to do a book report uh, one of my clients on an african-american from back in the civil war times just because he wanted to learn so he had to do his own research um, so when you have a choice at school to pick someone, when they give you assignments for history, you can pick someone who's African-American or just listening to what you're thinking when you see someone of a different color or race. You know, how are you feeling when you see them? Are you afraid? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Are you happy? Do you see them as different? And then asking a parent or someone say, why do I feel that way about them? What is it about them that's making me feel differently than I would if they were white? Yeah, I think those were great, Dr. Danielle. Um, I would just add that I think for the kids that identify as white on the crew and just who, you know, those that are listening, I think it's really important to ask your parents and learn about your own racial and cultural identity. And I think that, you know, oftentimes when we're talking about race, we sort of just assume that race is only impacting people of color. But white is a race as well. And sometimes uh, when we're able to learn more about our own backgrounds, it actually makes it easier to learn about other people and understand and accept the differences that other people have that make them unique. I think also, you know, as a kid, ways to be anti-racist, to be, you know, white allies or accomplice is another term that I've heard lately as well. Um, but it's understanding that people get bullied for lots of different reasons, including their skin color. And so if you see something like that happening, letting people know you're bullying, that's racist. I don't accept that. 
and just being able to stand up to that as you can. I would also say know your privilege. I mentioned earlier um, this idea that racism is more than just about stereotypes and individual prejudice. It's about the ways that our, our nation, the policies and the institutions that have been designed to help white people get ahead and um, people of color, it makes it a lot harder to do that. And so recognizing that racism isn't just about what's happening uh, interpersonally or individually, but it's happening all around us. So recognizing that, you know, if you're a white kid, you know, because of your skin being white, some people may think that you're smarter or treat you nice or even give you things that you didn't earn. And we call that privilege. So even though you didn't earn it and you have it, you still may have to work really hard. So sometimes we tell people like, you know, being white might be like you're getting extra credit on an assignment that you completed. But because of this extra credit, you know, you, it's almost like you have more of a responsibility to do something with it. And so recognizing that some people are going to be treated poorly, be blamed for things that they didn't do or get into trouble for things that they didn't do more so than you would. And so how can you use the advantages that you've had in life to be able to stand up for others? What if we're a kid and we notice an adult being racist or being unfair or unkind to somebody else, how can we help with that? Great question. And I think it's hard, right? Sometimes as a kid, we may not always have the power or the ability to stand up to adults, right? And I think that's that's kind of even similar, I think, to black person also trying to um, stand up. It may not always feel like you can do it, like someone has more power than you. So what I would say is if you're a kid and you notice uh, an adult doing something racist or biased, is if you feel like you can say something in the moment, great. But I think for most kids, it's important to tell someone that you trust, tell an adult that you trust what you saw and, and just point it out. Just say, I was at school or I was at, uh, at the park and I saw this happen, this happened, and this happened. I'm feeling what? So think about how you might feel when you see something like that happen. Angry, confused, shocked, sad. The ability to be able to name what you're feeling is going to help you as you get older and figure out what you can do with those feelings when you have more power. But if if we don't express what we feel when we notice racism happening, then we may learn to suppress those feelings. We may never investigate what they mean, and we may never know what to do with them. Um, and so we may continue to contribute to, um, to bias unintentionally. So I think asking a, you know, a teacher, a parent, a coach, um, anybody that you trust, and just letting them know that you saw that, and know that it takes a lot of courage to tell someone when you see something like that happening. And, and just to recognize, like, it, it takes bravery, and, um, and we can do it. It's one way to support others. Dr. Rebecca Esachukwu, clinical psychologist in the Division of Community and Behavioral Health and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. And Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price is a clinical psychologist working in private practice. Her practice is named Riddle-Price Associates, and they provide mental health services to youth and their families. She's also a member of the Black Mental Health Coalition. It's just been such a pleasure to have you on the Children's Hour. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about this today. 
I was so excited to, to meet all of you and thank you for all of your questions and for the work that you're doing. Remember that you are the role models for your peers and your friends. Um, and so I ask that you continue to probe and ask those questions like Dr. Rebecca said and to notice when there's inequality, notice when things are unfair and how you feel about it and what you can do. You know, I, I just loved being a part of this conversation and hearing these the real kid questions because I think sometimes as adults we can um, talk about this in adult words at the adult level and just forget that our kids are hearing and seeing everything that we're doing. They are our future. And for kids and parents, try to have these conversations, you know, in any open conversation that you can have about race, that you can have about disability, that you can have about gender inequality. All of that can help prevent confusion. It can help prevent hurt. And, it, and most of all, it can help prevent the danger of just being silent. You know, sometimes the worst things that we can do is um, say, we don't talk about that in our house. Or, you know, when we point out skin color, I'm saying something like, shh, which is a, it's an experience that I've witnessed, you know? And so I think kids push your parents to have these conversations um, because I think many kids may be more equipped to start these conversations um, than parents. And parents, be brave, right? You are raising kids of the next generation um, and there's just so much that we can do to support them. So thank you for having me today. You're listening to The Children's Hour coming up, a story by Len Cabral. But first, Pierce Freelon, right here on the Children's Hour. you for being a friend you are golden some friends are fold aluminum foil some friends will hold them you are royal one to explore new things with drakes and no new friends but we moved and i miss you sometimes i feel so sad i need a tissue the best friend i ever had you always have my back even when i'm being bad and you never judge me I will never forget the way you love me Never forget, never forget Never forget, never forget Trust me, I will never forget, never forget Never forget, never forget, never
You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. The Children's Hour radio show is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by the County of Bernalillo, New Mexico, burnco.gov. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by Token Ibis, a nonprofit making philanthropy accessible to everyone. To sign up, go to tokenibis.org. U N I T Y, 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 We can fly so high, we can fly so high, U N I T Y, U N I T Y, Together we will be, Together we will be. Like a family, like a family, no one can break us apart, no one can break us apart, because we're one big heart, because we're one big heart, with determination, with determination, we can build a nation, we can build a nation, we can fly so high, we can fly so high, if you and I T-Y, if you and I T-Y. I got your back and you got mine Working together we can save some time I got you and you got me Stand together in unity You and I, T-Y You and I, T-Y We can fly so high With you and I, T-Y Yeah In the early 70s I was living in an apartment in Providence, right across the street from a building where my brother was working. And every now and then, we'd go out for lunch together. And one day, we went out for lunch. It was in August. It was a hot August day, and I was driving. We had lunch, and we were driving back to where I lived and where he worked. And as we were driving up the street, riding down the street on a bicycle that was way, way too small for him, was this guy guy who was huge. He was huge. He didn't have a shirt on. All he had on was muscles. He had muscles on top of muscles. He had muscles where most of us don't even have places. He was huge. He was so big, he'd make King Kong apologize. That's how big he was. And he's riding down the street. I said to my brother, Allie, look at the size of this guy. And as he rode by us, he blocked out the sun. We were in the shade. I said, wow. We continued driving until we came to a parking lot. It was a community parking lot. I pulled into that lot and I looked. And right there in the middle of the parking lot was a car. And its four doors were open. And there were people sitting in the car. And the people in the car, they just had their lunch. And I could tell they just had their lunch because everything they didn't eat was on the ground outside the car. There were potato chip bags, soda cans, McDonald boxes, Dunkin' Donut boxes, banana peels, all this trash. I said, 
No way, no way. They're going to clean this mess up. I live here. They don't live here. They're going to clean this mess up. So I park the car. My brother and I, we get out of the car. We start walking across the parking lot, feeling like a couple of gladiators. When all of a sudden, I stop. Because I notice from the corner of my eye, I notice that fellow with all the muscles. He rides that bike back into the parking lot, gets off the bike, and gives it to a little boy whose bike it was. And that fellow with all the muscles, he walked across the parking lot, over to that car, and he sits down in the driver's seat. It's his car. Those are his friends. It's their trash. Right away, I stop. I had to reevaluate the situation. I said to my brother, Ali, you know, it doesn't look that bad. And it didn't. It didn't look that bad. I said, I could always clean it up myself. No problem. Come on, let's go. And I thought my brother agreed with me as we walked across the street and we stood on the curb on the other side of the street. We stood there and we watched and we listened as all the doors of that car closed at once. And that fellow with all the muscles, he put one hand on the steering wheel, dropped his other arm out the window of the car. His arm was so long... It touched the ground. He kicked out of the car with a little nudge. His knuckles were dragging on the ground, sparks coming from his jewelry. He pulled out of the parking lot, out into the street. He started to drive by us. I was standing there with my mouth wide open. And he started to drive by us when all of a sudden I heard my brother's voice. My brother said, Excuse me. Excuse me. My heart went, Excuse me. The fellow driving the car looks at us, reaches back, pinches the rear tire of the car. My brother says, Excuse me, can we have that stuff over there? You know, the banana peels, the soda cans, McDonald boxes, Dunkin' Donut boxes. Can we have all that stuff? The guy looks at us, looks at all that trash, looks back at us, reaches over, and he grabs the shift. I'm praying that he's going to put it in reverse. And not park. He put it in reverse. He released the rear tire of the car. The car rolled back down the street. He turned it into that parking lot. Right into the center of all that trash. He pinched the rear tire. He gets out of the car. He orders his friends out of the car. He points and they pick. He points and they pick. They're as afraid of him as I am. They pick up all their trash. Plus trash that had been there for six weeks. And they put it in a big dumpster. They get back into the car. The doors all close. He puts one hand on the steering wheel, drops his other arm out the window of the car. His arm is so long, it touches the ground. He kickstarts the car once again with a little nudge. His knuckles are dragging on the ground, sparks coming from his jewelry. He pulls out of the parking lot, out into the street, He starts to drive by us. I'm standing there with my mouth wide open. He looks at us, raises his arm up into the air, gives us the power salute with a big smile on his face, and he drives down the street. I can't believe it. My brother, he nudges me and says, Len, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Tack.
my side. I keep my tribe right by my side. They say to raise a kid, it take a village. That's the way it's been and the way it still is. It don't matter if you're broke or making millions. You need the real ones, the folks never fucking fill in. It's obvious now, the sprouts is out. We gotta evolve, now fight to be the top of the pile. For the king of the hill, that crown gets so heavy. It's lonely at the top and hard to hold steady. Power hungry fantasies causing sanity. It's family that gives you power like Stan Lee. Not a cow, but a stampede. Understand me? Cause when your head's in the clouds and you can't see, that's when you fall for that old trick to fight and conquer. But multiply with that many times stronger. I got a team, so my dream's gonna last longer. And I don't fall for the schemes from fast talkers. If you wanna go fast, walk by yourself. If you wanna go Circles like vinyl, first to the final, staying tribal, always works for survival, so I don't stifle that urge cause it's primal, human beings don't work alone, take you and me, add two or three more, now you got community, add four or five, the tribe grows beautifully, the song of unity, I sing along fluently, different strokes for different folks, but when we roll different boats, it gets difficult, when we band together and stand together, we can make a city state or planet better, mental syndromes that break us down by skin towns should have been gone and in the past like flame stones we sing songs to wake you up like rain tones with one tribe and unified we're strong like king kong if you wanna go fast walk by yourself if you wanna go far walk with someone else right by my side equal. Some people shoot up tall. Some hardly leave the ground at all. Yet, people equal, equal. One voice is a sweet mango. Another is a non-sugar tomato. Yet, people equal, equal. Some people rush to the front. Others hang back feeling they can't. Yet, People equal, equal. Hammer some people, you meet a wall. Blow hard on others, they fall. Yet, people equal, equal. One person will aim at a star. For another, a hilltop is too far. Yet, people equal, equal. Some people get on with their show. Others never get on the go. Yet, people equal, equal.
That's James Berry from a poetry collection called Hip Hop Speaks to Children. And in the background, Pottington Bear. You heard Secret Agent 23 Skidoo. Right by my side is the name of that tune. Why Can't We Be Friends? Radio edit was war. Done by Katie, the radio edit. Len Cabral was our storyteller. And Ayana Gregory opened up that set. We've got time for one more. This is Saul Paul featuring Mo Williams right here on the Children's Hour. We'll catch you next time. of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit corporation. Our show was written by Katie Stone with help from all of us and the kids crew. Find lots of information about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to our guests today, Dr. Danielle Riddle-Price and Dr. Rebecca Ezetukwu for being with us on the show today. Our podcast can be found wherever you get your podcast or at patreon.com 
Flash the Children's Hour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the Children's Hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music is written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by the Children's Hour Incorporated, PRX, and the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.